you want to be hardcore, you want to be extreme, well, if you're like the Sandman, then you're listening to the podcast Drunk Wrestling History, dudes, and please be drunk when you hear it. I like to fuck. Do you like to fuck? It's just money shots, uh, chairs all over there. Those guys with bank busts think they're a good deal. My dick is small. What's up, Drunk Marks and Drunk Marquettes? Welcome to Drink Up, the same drunk wrestling history with fewer calories. I'm your Disney host, Adam, and I'm bald, and I'm cold, and they are the Drunk Wrestling Historians. (laughs) Adam is bald, and he's bald right in time for summer because it is now officially June, and the weather's better, and Adam has no hair, he has no beard. Adam just had a birthday. Adam just had a birthday. He's an old man. How old are you now? You would be 36. I am I am 30 years old. <laughs> ooh, 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 yeah. years old. It I it's it is the anniversary of my 21st. So anniversary of your 21st. We won't say which anniversary. Which, which means doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you're bald because we did a couple weeks ago. Now by the time you're hearing this, it's been a couple weeks. Carissa cut and shaved your hair in a bar while you were hosting trivia. Yes. The hair on top of his head. The hair not on top of his head. the hair behind his underwear. Yeah. No, uh, the donation place uh, won't uh, take that one. I Don't assume those him. are still yeah. fully intact. <laughs> uh, no comment. Well, you do have the Manscaped uh, Lawnmower 4.0, so. Yeah, what are those yeah. white things? <laughs> Dear God. So you grew your hair yeah. for how long? Three, uh... Three years and two months. It practically is. It practically is my uh, pandemic hair, because um, I ru- just ironically, not knowing how the world would happen, uh, I did have a haircut early March of 2020, and then just after determining not uh, going to any salons or uh, just any third party for maintenance, it done. Unlike Nancy it's- Pelosi. What's up? <laughs> oh, that was quite a callback. It, are you saying my hair looks like poo-poo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, just decided to grow, grow it out. Um, and it also the motivation was because it, it did take a little bit of time to dawn on me. I do have a friend that... Uh, has uh, grown up with alopecia. Uh, my hair is not going to uh, that person, but it is because of her. I wanted to help somebody else. Uh, it, I got it sent to Wigs for Kids. Is your friend named yeah. Bobby Lashley? No. Is your hair going to Bobby Lashley? No. Or Jada Pinkett Smith? I'm guessing you're about to go on AI and uh, generate some kind of picture. <laughs> Of Bobby Lashley with my hair, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Eddie, please go onto AI and put Bobby Lashley with Adam's hair. <laughs> On it. 
I'll do Happy right. birthday, Adam. This is our gift to you. Thank you. Thank you. Prepare to be horrified. <laughs> 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 to the rest of you, brace yourselves. You're going to see the almighty hair on Bobby Leslie. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not going to do it right now, but uh, I'll do it. Well, this will be fun because I'm drunk. Um, so I'll do it uh, once we're done recording. We got one more episode after this, so if I'll be really ca- drunk by then. If that was the case, I would have shaved my hair on the MVP lounge. <laughs> He's going to be making Jim Ross singing uh, DJ Quick's entire catalog and Bobby Lashley with Adam's hair. I haven't played that yet. Maybe I'll just tweet that one. It's going to be the best <laughs> night for you. Should dude. I play it? I mean, you totally should. I played the other one. You, you did, but this will be another teaser. Okay, let me see. Yeah, it'll be another teaser for a game we have coming up. We just tease this every week. We'll tease it every week and never play it. Uh, <laughs> totally let me see if I can. Thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, we'll just like forget. Wait, hold on. This is a teaser for a, an additional teaser for a teaser that hasn't happened yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. See, when we record out of order, we get confused. <laughs> oh, right, right. This will be the first of two teasers, the second of which you will hear next week. Yes, which is supposed to be the first teaser. I don't know if I can find that file. But you know what? It's our show. We'll break the rules if we want to. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if I can find it. Ah, damn. That's a good one, too. It is a good one, dude. Ah, uh, fuck. It's definitely the best it. one you did. Let me see if it's this. Let me Let me try playing this. What happens? I have no idea what this is I'm about to play. Oh, no, that's the fucking uh, Sinatra thing. Uh, let me try this. This is your behind-the-scenes look, everybody. Yeah, exactly. No, that's not it. Oh, uh, fuck. I can't find it. Man, all it would have right, been well, good, fuck too. That, all, all that spontaneity. We'll just uh, we'll continue to move on with the show. No teaser. You got to wait for the other episode that drops. Got to wait for next week, and you'll get a teaser. Yeah, uh, before. Before we get into it, let me say what's up to our listeners in other countries. Um, so, thank you for listening to us in the UK, Canada, Ireland, Australia, US Virgin Islands, Germany, Sweden, Singapore, Turkey, Italy, Mexico, New Zealand, Denmark, Philippines, and Poland. And I think this might be the first time we've ever had listeners in Turkey. Nice. They've replaced that one dude in India. The one dude in India. Maybe the one dude in India moved to Turkey. That's very possible. Yeah, and they just had a big election this week. So uh, congratulations to them. Not congratulations to the guy who won. He's a douche. But uh, I hope I don't offend the fucking uh, one listener in Turkey. (laughs) Watch it be that guy that won. (laughs) (laughs) Said douche. Yeah, yeah, Erdogan is listening to our show. (laughs) I'm sure he's crushed. Yeah, right. He's in the fucking like presidential palace listening to like, drunk wrestling history. Doesn't like me. We're gonna have uh, <laughs> a Colin uh, podcast episode. Why is the government of Turkey after us? <laughs> <laughs> For this week's episode, we are taking it back to the year of our Lord, nineteen eighty-six, specifically on May twenty-six, nineteen eighty-six, or one year before yours truly. Uh, this is taking place at. The Hiroshima Perfectual Gymnasium. And this is a match that took place or didn't take place properly, depending on how you look at it. This is when wrestling turned real. Uh, Andre the Giant versus Akira Maeda. Yeah, so I've sort of had this idea for... um episodes about matches that got carried away where shit turned into shoots 
and there have been a fucking lot of them over the years. Um, and we've Scott and I have watched a lot of them. Some of them are, uh, especially that one, uh, I don't want to say what it is because we'll do that one probably later this year. Yeah, we'll probably but do that you, one. You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, well, we I guess we did Vic Grimes and New Jack where Vic New Jack tried to murder Vic Grimes. Yeah, that's the most extreme case. No, I, I, I disagree. I, the one. So maybe you don't know which one I'm alluding to. The one I'm alluding to is much more extreme, I think. Oh, are you um, talking mass transit? No, no, no. I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about it later because I don't want to spoil it. But oh, that one's oh, going to okay. happen. Um, so we thought I, I for a long time, I thought it'd be fun to talk about matches that just got completely carried away, um, turned into fucking shoot fights and just were complete disasters. If you're a fan, because a good because because you don't know what you're watching. Yeah. And what makes wrestling good is that it's not real. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, the biggest but, criticism from people, you know, like if you're like, oh, you tell someone you work with that you like wrestling and they're like, you know, that's fake. Right. And you're like, yeah, no shit. That's why it's cool. You know? Yeah. That, I don't watch the Avengers movies because they're real. Right. Or I don't watch MMA because it's exciting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, you watch some yes. stupid MMA fight where they tie up in the corner of a stupid octagon for, you know, until they keep getting broken up. You know, that's the whole idea about wrestling is it's that called professional hugging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole idea about wrestling is that if you, um, if you put a match together to make it entertaining, it's gonna be entertaining. That's that's what makes wrestling awesome, you know. Yeah, you would rather watch this than that fucking shit from the fifties where they're in the ring for four hours. It, it no, that was like the flip flopping headlocks. That was like the twenties. Or the 20. Yeah, that shit's boring, dude. Like, go back and watch one of those matches. And that's why they got away with that, because those matches got so competitive that they would go three hours and they were killing the towns. Nobody wanted to come watch that shit. Yeah, exactly. And, then that's, and that's when guys like Tootsmont Toots was kind of like one of the big ones in New York who was like, okay, we got to change this shit. And he was a big part of, of wrestling becoming a work. Like, okay, let's make these matches exciting. They don't need to go three hours and be competitive. Let's make them 15 minutes. It'd be exciting. And we're going to get people to come because nobody's coming to these fucking long ass shows. Exactly. Yeah. But every once in a while, shit goes sideways and you get guys in there who don't like each other or whatever, whatever backstory there is, it, it, things go nuts. And that's what we're talking about today. Right. When wrestling goes real. Yeah. And it's also kind of fitting to be uh, discussed on a drunk podcast because drinks appeared to have been involved. Yes, oh, sir. that was a factor for sure. And it was always Big a factor. factor. Yeah. So today we're talking about Andre, uh, Andre the Giant versus Akira Maeda, Maeda, which forgive me if I pronounce his name wrong. I've heard it pronounced Maeda. I've heard it pronounced Maeda. I believe it's Maeda. But if you're uh, we don't have any listeners in Japan, so fuck it. Um, but I'm unless doing they're all on vacation in Turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so everybody, I'm not going to go into Andre's background because we all know it. He came up in the early seventies, came out of France, went through Montreal, ended up working for Vince's dad and became the biggest wrestling star in the world in the seventies and early eighties. Um, Akira Maeda, if you've never heard of him, he started in 1978 in New Japan after being discovered in a karate tournament. So this is a guy who was a legit shoot fighter um, by trade, if you will. And he got into uh, New Japan. He was in the first IWGP tournament, which Hogan won, of all people. Um, I'm going to go to his background a little bit. He worked in the UK as Quick Kick Lee which is one of the best names I've ever heard in wrestling. Quick Kick Lee. 
I wonder if that's where G.I. Joe got one of their character names from then. They had who a character that? named Quick Kick, who was of no Asian shit. descent. Yeah, and he was basically like a karate dude. Yeah, maybe, because this would have been like 1982 or so. And that early. character debuted in like yeah. 1985, 86. Wow. I wonder if, I, yeah, I wonder if, um, yeah, I wonder if they were aware of him or they were just as racist as the person who gave Quick Kick Lee his name. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Either yeah, way, if, it was the 80s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, in in the eighties you call guy that. Right. Um he were he worked for WWF in eighty four. So he worked for Vince for a minute. Um he was doing like opening matches with Renee Renee Goulet and guys like that, you know. Um didn't really do shit. Nobody would have noticed if he was there or not. He was gone as soon as he got there. Um he was not a fan of American wrestling or kind of Americans in general, from what I understand, but he definitely was not a fan of American wrestling because like I said, he came from a karate background. He thought that wrestling should be presented as more real. So definitely going to work for Vince was not the place for him. You no, know what I mean? There Vince were places. Land. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he could have gone to, um, he could have gone to work for Bill Watts and it would have been, you know, that was presented as much more of a regular, like a shoot. Sure. Than Vince was. Sure. Yeah, exactly. It was very, even in 84, it was pretty cartoony. Um, and it was all sizzle and no steak, as JR would say. Right. Over there. So he came back, which is kind of, just sort of bitter about wrestling. Um, he started the Japanese UWF. So they had, they had their UWF promotion like we did here. I forget. I should have written it down in my notes. I forget what UWF stood for. But it was um, him and Fujiwara. And it was kind of presented as a shoot style promotion where they didn't do anything fancy. You weren't seeing moonsaults or leg scissors or any of that shit. They made the matches look realistic, you know, like shoot fights. Like you could watch it. You could watch it. You know how it is. Like you watch, uh, you watch someone do that stupid, uh, leg scissors spin around nine fucking times and flip someone. Right. You can't watch that and think wrestling is real, but you could watch, Japanese UWF and think it's real. You know, that's just the way they presented the show. Adam. You said uh, uh, Bill Watts? Yes. Universal Wrestling Federation. Oh, no, no. The Japanese UWF. Oh. Try again. Continue. <laughs> um, Tiger Mask came over there, who's one of the biggest stars in Japan. He came to UWF. He had quit New Japan because he felt it was being unprofessionally run. And then he was kind of like a sort of a dick. He actually put out a book called Kayfabe where he totally exposed the business. Damn. Um, yeah, which is sort of a dick move, but he wasn't the first guy to do that. People done that. People have been doing that since the 30s, you know, all the way back then. So he wasn't the first guy. Um, fucking Eddie Mansfeld did that. Um, Roy Shire did that after he got after his promotion closed down. He was bitter and he went and told all the fucking secrets to the Sacramento Bee. Um, which you can look that article up online if you search Roy Shire Sacramento B. It's actually pretty interesting. Oh. Hmm. By the way, also uses the same name. So either way. Okay. So UWF only lasted a year. The guys running it couldn't get a wrong, couldn't get along. Um, Tiger Mask was a pain in the ass. He and Maeda got it into it uh, in a match one time. Maeda kicked him in the dick a few times. Oh um, yeah, just like they just didn't get along. It was just guys running the business, kind of like AEW. Guys getting guys running the business who can't get along. Like no, Cody Rhodes had to so fucking smooth over there, dude. Right, Cody Rhodes had to go for a walk. Fucking, they can't figure out if Punk's <laughs> gonna be on the new show or not. You know, it was sort of the same deal. And they ended up shutting the promotion down. Um, Maeda was known for being 
sort of a pain in the ass to work with, like a problem in the ring, sort of generally unprofessional. But by 85, he was back in New Japan. Um, and everyone wanted to see him work with Inoki. It was sort of like Hogan and Flair. Like, this is the match. This is the match we got to book. Mighty was like, fuck that. I'm not working with Inoki. For no, you know, not for any fucking, I mean, I guess he had his reasons, but it was really unprofessional. Like they could have drawn a lot of money together. That would have been the biggest match they could have done in Japan in 85, but he didn't want to do it. Ridiculous. Damn. Yeah. Who likes money? Fuck that shit. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. I want to work with fucking, you know, who bring fucking Bill Eady over. I'll work with him. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Brody was even gone at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just to give another example of him being unprofessional, in 87, he shoot kicked Riki Choshu in the face during a match. Um, Riki Choshu had a guy in a sharpshooter, and Maeda came up and just kicked him in the face. He came up from behind him. and just It's on YouTube. If you look it up, he just kicked him right in the fucking face, broke his orbital bone. He claims that Choshu was supposed to, he was going to tap him on his back when he came up from behind him, and Choshu was supposed to get his hands up to protect himself, and he didn't. And the referee sort of the, said the same thing, but other people around him at the time were like, no, that's totally not true. And if you watch it, the match went crazy from that point on, and it was like literally like team versus team, like Choshu, because it was a three-on-three. Choshu's team like were ready to fucking throw down um, versus Maeda's team. This guy was a fucking nightmare, man. He was. He was a big fucking pain in the ass. Um, and there was heat on Choshu because he had gone to All Japan and he he brought he had a stable in New Japan. He went to All Japan and did an invasion angle. And that was one of the original like the original NWO. That was one of okay. the first invasion angles that might have been the one that Bischoff got the idea for the NWO from. OK, because um, I because I know we got that idea from an invasion angle in, in Japan. So you're talking Not less sh- than 10 years after that. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So there was heat on Choshu. So Maeda just kicked him right in the fucking face. Fucked him up. Dick. Yeah, but then we get on to 86, um, April. This is right after WrestleMania 2. Andre comes as a tour, tour Japan. He'd worked for Noki for a million years. Um, he was in rough shape at this point, right? We saw him at 2. You know, he was in the Battle Royal and barely right. did anything. Right, Um I watched the Andre documentary, and Vince talked about this time period between 2 and 3, and he said that Andre, Andre always knew he wasn't going to live long, and he came to Vince and was like, I'm done, Vince. I'm going to go home. He had his ranch in one of the Carolinas. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to go to my ranch. I'm going to just stay there. And that's it. And he said, from talking to Andre, he got the impression that Andre meant, I'm going to go there and die because it's time for me to die because I'm in terrible shape. I'm beat up. I'm overgrown, uh, overgrown because he never got the surgery to stop growing. Right. And Andre was just sort of like ready to just check out. And Vince's story is when he came to him with the idea of turning heel and going to three with Hogan, that sort of gave Andre like a, I don't want to say a new lease on life, but maybe a purpose, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go do this biggest wrestling match of all time. Dude, he stretched Um, his career out another, what, four years? Yeah, he ended up sticking around for a long time and he had surgery, you know, in that time. So he got better and all that. But this is so right in this, right before or right after this tour of Japan is when he was like, I'm done, you know? And I don't doubt that this match had something to do with it. You know, this match might have... He might have come home from Japan. Yeah, Yeah, he might have come home from Japan thinking that. Like, yeah, I can't even handle myself on the ring anymore. Yeah. Um, So, 
let's get into the match. Did you guys watch the match? I did. I watched it. Wasn't it fucking crazy? Yeah, a lot of it I fast-forwarded, dude, because it was a lot of, like, squaring off. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Maeda doing a lot of circling and Andre just kind of looking down at him. Yeah, and it was long. It was, like, 26 minutes. It's, it like, re- very long yes. for Andre. I would say it got eerie at times because so- y'all, you always had that uh, feeling that somebody was going to snap, no matter who it was, and either way, it was going to end badly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, um, so Andre showed up drunk, like, and from what I saw people talking about him, drunker than normal. You know, yeah. like, Andre was always drunk at this point. And this is when it was, like, sad Andre, where he was drunk because he was sore. You know, he was, like, instead of taking, you know, pain medication, he was drinking. Yeah, and numbing um, the pain with drinks. Yeah. yeah, he was drinking to deal with the pain. Yeah. Um, but, um, so he was more drunk than normal, from what a lot of people said. And he did the... Um, Anoki booked the match and he did the I'm not going to say who's going to win the match thing, which I think it was on the Hogan Lies episode. I was like, Hogan's full of shit. Of course, he knew Andre was going to put him over on the Andre documentary they did on HBO. Vince swears that Andre never told Hogan that, but he sort of indicated that that was sort of Andre being like a prankster, you know, like he was kind of like Andre did that regularly, but it was to fuck with people, not, you know, uh, like he's Andre being a smart ass. So he was doing the same thing in this match with Maeda. So who um, was supposed to go over in this match then? Was it Maeda? I don't know. I only could assume Andre because Andre never lost. You know? Andre never lost. Yeah. Or there were supposed to be like shenanigans finish. Yeah. I really don't know. And I haven't seen anything about how the match was supposed to finish. But the story is. So there are a couple stories. One story is that Anoki asked Andre to straighten Maeda out. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. I read that. that yeah. That's what. Which. Like Which is enfor- one of those enforcer uh, or be my indirect enforcer to this guy was yeah, the sense that yeah. I got reading up to it. Like yeah. the APA to his public enemy. Ex- exactly. I kept, yeah. I kept um, thinking of that. And then, yeah, it's because Maeda was just out there looking to hurt wrestlers that were not uh, following his philosophy. I and guess. didn't want to work with, uh, with Anoki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, that seems like fairly likely that that was the case, but it's also sort of like, well, why not just fucking fire him? You know, but I guess it's maybe he's a draw. Maybe Andre will straighten him out. Right. If he wasn't mm-hmm. a draw, you know? I don't think that they would have put up with his shit. Probably not. They would probably would have dropped his ass for sure. Um, and he could have gone back to doing fucking Cobra Kai, you know, karate tournaments and fucking <laughs> right. uh, in the, at the mall. Beating up Daniel Russo. Yeah, exactly. Um, but different people have different stories. A guy named Bertrand, uh, Bertrand Herbert wrote an autobiography, not an autobiography, a biography of Andre. He said that Sakaguchi was there and he talked to Andre into doing it as a rib on Maeda, like just fucking around, you know, it was, and it was, it was like a joke that got out of hand. Yeah. Because clearly Maeda hmm. enjoyed fucking around in the ring and pranking right, and shit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sakaguchi probably didn't like him, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, what could go wrong? Yeah, so the Andre biographer says that's what happened. So, you know, okay. it's one of those things you'll never know. Yeah. Whatever the case was, Andre was like, I'm not going to work with this fucking guy. And it was kind of known. Andre didn't really like Maeda because Maeda would bury wrestling. Like, because Maeda had his own idea of what wrestling should be. It should be presented as a shoot. It shouldn't be sports entertainment. And Andre was a guy who came up totally differently. Um he probably didn't like him being involved with Tiger Mask for writing a book called fucking Kayfabe. Right. But whatever the situation was, Andre gets in the ring and he's like, I'm not selling for this motherfucker. Nope. 
and they lock up, and Maeda gets a couple shots on him, and Andre doesn't sell it. And it's pretty quick. It's probably, what, the first minute and a half, Maeda figures out what's going on. Like, exactly, oh, yes. Really quickly, it's kind of like The Rock and Hogan, where Rock sees that thing where he's like, okay, I'm going to be the baby, I'm going to be the heel. Yes. Like, Maeda's like, oh, this is a shoot. I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with this fucking guy. Now, keep in mind, you said this thing went like 26, 27 minutes. Yeah. A minute, minute and a half in, Maeda realizes what's going on. So there's still like 25 minutes of this match that has to happen in front of a sellout crowd. Mm-hmm. Right? They've got to tell a story here. It's about to go downhill quick. And not yeah. to sim- sympathize towards Way one or downhill. the other. Yeah. Not to sympathize towards one or the other. It seems like those stack-ups put uh, Maeda in a really uncomfortable position. Uh, like the way Andre was just on top of him. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So right when it starts, um, yeah, okay, to get into like what actually happens. um, Well, I should uh, note um, a guy named Frenchie Bernard was the referee. He was Andre's buddy and he was he actually watched Andre's farm when he was on the road. But he would he would travel a lot with Andre when he was out of the country. So the referee, if you if you watch the match, the referee is not Japanese. You know, you'll see that it's Andre's boy. Right. He's on Um, Andre's back pocket. Yeah, and I don't know if he was French or if he was French-Canadian. I'm not sure where Andre found him, but Frenchie Bernard, I assume, was French. Um, but Andre trusted him. That was enough to get him into the match. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, Maeda goes for a single-leg takedown, but Andre catches him and just, like, drops on top of him or sort of falls onto him. And Akira ends up in splits, and Andre just lays on him. Like, Dude. and he can't do anything. He's got him in a front face lock. Maeda's in splits, and, he, like, what do you do? You know, with the giant on top of you, with with you in a front face lock. A drunk giant on top of you. It, it, even in 86, like this is not Andre from 76, it's Andre from 86. You know, he's not the athlete that he once was, but yeah. Exactly. No, he's, he's way more lumbering at this point. Yeah, right. Um, eventually that's get, that gets broken up. Akira hits the ropes and charges Andre and he takes a stiff fucking forearm to the side of the head. Like Andre just like... Boom, just brings his arm up, cracks him across the side of the head. And then Maeda is pissed. Yep. Um, he hits a spinning heel kick and then he takes a powder. He's like, all right, what do I do? <laughs> yes. Got to think about this. You can see him outside thinking like, okay, this is a shoot and I'm wrestling a giant. Like, what the fuck? How am I going to do this? He's 600 fucking pounds. Like, how do you wrangle this? Yeah. And while he's outside, Andre's like, come on, bitch. You know, like waving to him, like get in the fucking ring. You know, let's right. do this. And knowing Maeda's history, you're not feeling too bad for him at this point. Right, right. Like, take a cheap shot on uh, Ricky Joshu, break his orbital yes, bone. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, he keeps trying to lock up, and Andre keeps overpowering him. Um, and then he eventually winds up in his back in a chokehold. Or, I mean, uh, Maeda's in a chokehold on his back. And at this point, I'm watching him like, Andre literally could have killed him. If he, you know what I mean? If he wanted to do a murder in the ring, if he wanted to, he could have. Nobody could have stopped him. He was like so much bigger. Pounds at least separating these guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like they get back up, ref, you know, rope break, and they go to. Uh, Mighty goes for a lockup, and Andre does the thing where he spins him around and goes into a full Nelson, um, and then he drops down on him, sort of like a um, the Miz's finisher, the Skull, Skull Christian finale. finale. But the way Andre reversed that lockup into a full Nelson, I was like, I wonder if they, you know, back in the day, they would teach wrestlers to actually defend themselves in case someone tried to go into business for themselves. Yeah. 
Andre looked like he really knew how to defend himself, like beyond just being stronger than him. Yeah. Like he knew how to turn that move around. It was really cool. Um, and then it kind of slows down. And then this is where it gets boring, but also fascinating. You know what I mean? Like you're watching it and you're boring, like, boring, okay. but uncomfortable. Yeah, it's uncomfortable is a good yeah. word. Okay, uncomfortable might be a better word. Um, yeah, Akira just can't do anything, but he eventually sort of like cracks the code and figures out how to take Andre down with you the could, single leg. You could just the see leg. the yep. expression in his body, that instability, like, like yeah. that mo- moments of thinking, but then realizing like just the whole nature of what's going on. And I wonder if those single legs are ultimately what led, because there was a whole succession of those uh, single legs. I wonder mm-hmm. if that's what ultimately led Andre to go to Vince and go, I'm done. Um, I don't, yeah, I mean, he did take a lot of back bumps. You know what I mean? He, he did. did go to, he went down way to his back way more times than I've ever seen him. By a guy a who was way smaller than him, legitimately taking him down. Maybe that yeah. was his wake up moment. Like, oh shit. Like, yeah. if I have to shoot on a guy, I don't have that ability to just shut his ass down. I yeah. got taken down. I lost count to how many single legs actually legitimately took Andre down. It was it at was least a half a dozen. It was a lot. Yes. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. And he just, Andre couldn't, he, Andre at this point was sort of ineffective. Like he couldn't do anything to stop him. Right. Totally. It was so fast. And it was, yeah, you could really see where he just like figured it out. Like he solved this puzzle. Yeah. Like you said, he cracked the code, dude. That was the perfect way to put it. Even though there yeah. was also this one point I may have already passed by here. He tries a standing drop kick and Andre just swats his legs away. Swats his legs away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he still can't do anything to Andre because Andre's so goddamn big. He At one point, he gets him in an arm bar, like a Ronda Rousey arm bar. And Andre does the thing where he rolls over onto him, which in normal, you don't see that in UFC. Like it's impossible, right? Because as yep. soon as you get him into an arm bar, if they don't tap out, you can break their arm. Maeda couldn't break Andre's arm. You know, Andre was just too strong, so he actually rolled over the way they do in wrestling, which is basically not a thing you can actually do. Yeah. Um, So no matter what Akira does to him when he's down, Andre finds his way out. He got him in a knee bar at one point, and he was just like, he couldn't do anything to him. Um, And he pretty much either makes it to the ropes every time because he's so fucking tall, he doesn't have to be that close to the ropes, or might have just gives up and lets him out, you know? Um. And then finally, he's like, okay, what else can I do? And that's when it gets really hard to watch, especially if you're an Andre fan, you know? Yes. Um, Every he, step that Maeda is taking, Andre fo- Andre's following him, but you just don't know what kind of purpose uh, he has behind that maneuver. Yeah. This is where Maeda starts kicking his leg. So he's giving him right kick, you know, kicking with his right leg, kicking Andre's left leg right above his knee. And this is where I was like, man, this might be why he went home and told Vince he was done. I have no yeah. idea. I couldn't find anything about whether Andre wrestled any more shows on this tour. Could have been the last night of the tour. Could have been the first night of the tour. I don't know. Um, but I can't imagine Andre worked the next night. Oh, hell no. Could you imagine he, what his legs looked like by the time this match was done? Oh, dude? yeah. They had to be swollen oh. and black and blue. Yep. Um, and this is exactly what you do. So there have been shoot fights where where people did this. You, uh, the bigger guy, you just kick him in the leg because what are you going to do? If you got long enough legs that you can kick him and you're fast enough to kick his leg, you kind of render them, you know, uh, useless. Yeah. Um, Anoki did this exact same thing to Ali in the famous fight in the 70s where 
Uh, but Anoki got into like a crab walk, but he did the same thing to Ali because you can't box Ali. Yes. And, and the deck was stacked as far as the rules went against Anoki. They really handcuffed him with the rules. So he got into a crab walk and just kicked Ali's leg all fucking night. And Ali couldn't do anything to him because he can't. How do you even how do you even hit a guy like that? Who's like stick a move, stick a move. Yep. Um, Marco Huas also did that to Paul Varlins. I want to say in the main of a UFC seven, uh, one of the UFCs in the late nineties anyway. And Marco, who has beat Paul, because Paul Varlin was way fucking bigger than him. He was also a chump from Sunnyvale. But um, he beat Paul Varlin's the same way. He just kicked him in the leg, kicked him in the leg, kicked him in the leg all night. Um, it really made me wonder, did uh, Marco Huas watch the Andre, the Inoki Makes you um, wonder. Ali fight? Did Maeda watch that fight? You know, did he, he hates Inoki, but he's going to go do Inoki's move? He's going to copy his whole template. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so eventually Andre goes down to his back and he just puts his hand up. Uh, well, this is actually, I'm sorry. Anoki comes to the ring first and he's like, what the fuck? He gets in the ring and you're like, oh my God, it's going to turn into like a triple threat. Yeah. But he was in the ring trying to straighten these guys out. He's talking to the ref. He's talking to Maeda. He's like, dude, you guys got to have a wrestling match. Like you're killing the crowd. Yeah, the crowd's uncomfortable. Together, guys. What the fuck? He, right, right. And Maeda's uh, arguing with Anoki. Uh, while Andre's taking a break and Andre complains to the ref and he's clearly frustrated and he starts complaining to Anoki because Andre at this point is like, what the fuck, dude? Now let's just have, okay. Andre seems like he's done. Like, let's just have a match, you know? Yeah. Fine. I pulled my shit with you where I wasn't going to sell for you. Um, I can't handle you. I give up. Let's just have a wrestling match. But it would be hilarious if Anoki actually did put Andre up to this. A hammered Andre up to this, and, and then he's having to come straighten this shit out. It totally backfired, right? Completely backfired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he doesn't. Uh, Anoki doesn't know what the fuck to do. Andre doesn't know what to do at this point. Um, and then eventually, Anoki gets out of the ring. Akira single legs him one more time, and Andre just lays on his back and like motions to him, like "fucking pin me," like Jeff Jarrett, you know. Yep. Just yep. pin me. I'm done. He puts his hands up like, fine. End of the match. I'm done. Yeah, he bash at the beach 2000 it. He did. He's he's blown up. His leg's broken. He's drunk. He's He wants to take a nap. He's like, fuck this. It's been almost a half an hour. I'm done with this shit. Mm-hmm. But Maeda doesn't want to win the match that way. He wants Andre to get up. And at this point, Anoki gets in and just stops the match. It's done. With no, yeah. With no real explanation. It's kind of like Brett and Sean when Brett didn't tap out to the sharpshooter. Right. You know? Stop the match. Ring the goddamn bell. Yep, it's over. Yeah, and then you have a scrum breakout because uh, Akira's got a stable. Um, so his guys are out there and then some other New Japan guys get in the ring and it turns into a big f- clusterfuck. And um, Akira tries to pin Andre after the bell, which is the funniest part. And at that point, Andre's like, fuck you, you're not pinning me now. You had your chance, mm-hmm. bitch. Yeah, he doesn't let him. And then Akira uh, beats up a barricade after he gets out of the ring. And that was kind of it. It was just a big, giant shit show cluster fuck i don't know how many other words to use to describe it similar to that and this is why you can't work with guys like maeda you can't work with guys like yeah and you really it's really hard to have two guys um and man this is a really good like uh to draw a parallel to what's going on in AEW now to get two guys who don't like each other don't respect each other yep and have them get in the ring um and you could definitely have that but both guys have to be total professionals. Maida was not that. And I don't think Andre was that really either. You know, I think both guys were at fault. So you're drawing a parallel this. to CM Punk right now. Well, Punk and say Punk and Omega. Um, right, or Punk and Jericho. 
yeah, like those are guys that don't like each other, don't respect each other. Um, so they'll probably never work with each other. I think, I think Omega is acting like a little bitch. I think Jericho's acting like a bitch unless Jericho's working everybody on Twitter, you know, with the punk as a cancer shit, you know, which hopefully he is. Cause I think they can make some money. Um, well, look, you and I have talked about this over and the text Bucks. message, right? Yeah. Right. And so we drew the parallel to say Matt Hardy and Edge. Matt, you and did. Yeah. You're at, you were absolutely right with that. Yeah. Vince took that situation, which was awful back mm-hmm. in 2005. And he made a million dollars with Matt Hardy versus Edge matches. Edge banged Matt Hardy's girlfriend. Yes. That's horrible. Yeah. Punk said some mean things about the Young Bucks Lucky. and Omega. Right, and they, they right. can't make millions of dollars together because Punk said mean things. But back in 2005, Matt Hardy and Edge could make millions with each other because they could put that shit aside and said, hey, we both like money. Let's fucking do this. And a, exactly. And a big part of that is the leadership, right? It's got to be leadership, dude. Vince was like, fuck that. Put that shit aside. Let's make some cash. But Tony right. Khan is like, guys, let's hug. And Punk, don't be mean. Right. First of all, fucking Mao and crazy on the internet. Vince nipped that shit in the buddy, fired his ass right away. Yep. You know, if you're going to be unprofessional like that, fuck you, you can go. Yeah. And he was honestly, he was the victim in this and he got fired. (laughs) He really was. Yeah. But because he went, you know, he went into business for himself and went on fucking line. He called into that fucking bite this, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. So he was acting unprofessional. But Vince set Um, that shit straight. He fired him. He made a point. Matt Hardy came back. The fans wanted him back. Clearly, there was money to be made. He brings him back. He sits him down. He says, look, you two fucking straighten this out, and let's go make a bunch of fucking money together. Yeah, you're telling me that Punk and FTR versus the Elite can't headline fucking Wembley? Oh, but fuck be- yeah. But because, That's a money match. But because there's fucking tears involved and some mean words, oh, no, no, we can't do that. Right, right. No, let's keep them separated. What the Ex- fuck, dude? Exactly. Come on. The, yeah, but split the roster. Fucking come on. You know, because we can't have them on the same show. We can't have a steal there and blah, 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 fucking blah. And yeah, I mean, and all the shit that's gone on with the Bucks in the past and Omega in the past. Like, I've told you this since nine months ago. I've been team punk since this all happened. And I know punk can be a pain in the ass and be hard to work with. But I think those guys are the real problem. I think punk is professional enough that he would work with those guys and draw money. The but inmates those are guys, running the asylum because they're the EVPs. Right, right. I think Punk, did, I, I don't think he got his feelings hurt the way they did. You know what right. I mean? I think right. he's like, whatever, dude. You guys are acting like bitches. Let's get over this. You know, like he said, we would have had a million dollar gate with Heyman Page, but Heyman went out there and acted like a bitch. I don't right. want to turn this into a whole Barry AEW thing because I love AEW. No, but the um, parallels are very real here. They really are. Yeah, you have guys that just don't fucking get along and don't like each other. And... It turned into this fucking disaster in Japan. It was a and shit show, but guess what? People paid the fucking gate. People paid to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? They would have paid for a rematch. They absolutely would have paid for a fucking rematch. Yeah. Dude. If you could have gotten them on the same page and had them work together, they would have paid for a rematch and they would have done it in a bigger arena. And if Vince had been involved, they would have gotten on the same page. There would have been a bigger gate in a bigger arena. Thank you. Exactly. That's it and that's all, yeah. man. You're right. Yeah. The parallels are totally fucking there to today. And I didn't even think about it until you pointed that out the other day. Yeah. Can't totally. fucking make money because mean words. Get the fuck out of here. Right. My feelings got hurt. I got to go back feelings. to Rancho Cucamonga and fucking feel bad for myself. Come on, Tony Khan. Drop your fucking balls, dude. And get these guys straight. Make your fucking money. <laughs> make your fucking money, dude. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, well, uh, I think that wraps this matchup. That takes care of our coverage of Andre versus Akira Maeda when wrestling turned real. What do you think of our coverage of this, and what do you think of uh, these occurrences as they took place? What are your feelings about it? Let us know on our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, wrestling underscore drunk. Please tell your family, friends, heels, and faces to like, share, and subscribe to our show. Leave reviews so that we keep this drunk wrestling adventure going. On behalf of Scott and Eddie, I'm Adam, reminding all of you to enjoy your buzz, watch wrestling responsibly, drink like nobody's watching, and we will see you all next time for another great episode. One, two, three, shoot. Fuck your feelings. Winter city side, crystal bit of snowflakes all around.